Hello friends. Welcome back to Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This is episode 92 as we count down to our 100 episode tribute to the late great Chris Moore. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I got a little in my feelings on this one. I listened ahead. I decided I wanted to go out to the dojo. Uh, that's what I call my little garage gym. It's the dojo. I got soft mats. This is where I go out and pay tribute to my own self by working out, getting to know myself, pushing myself a little bit. And last week I was sitting and I said, oh, I'm going to go out to the garage. I'm going to put on put on some music, but music didn't feel right. Then I tried to put on a random podcast and that didn't feel right. I said, what would feel right? I want a little music and I want to listen to somebody talk. And I said, I know exactly who to check in with. And that's Chris. So I put on episode 92, and he comes right out of the gate, hitting me right in the feels. And so it, 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 this may be in a, a slightly emotional show, and I'm okay with that. I hope you are too. This one's called Back to the Garden. in the fields. What a beautiful song. Listen for Chris here. <laughs> hey everybody. I don't know why it was going to be an emotional show. Maybe I woke up feeling affectionate for my my beautiful wife. Maybe I was feeling a little sad that my Poor little Beagle, who's laying right here next to me, had a little seizure this morning. Just feeling the fragility of life, maybe. <laughs> or maybe, remove the maybe. 
I'm feeling the fragility of life. Chris's story was the thing that really woke me up to the fragility of life. Because even though I didn't know him, he felt like a peer. Somebody that was doing something incredible that I wanted to emulate in my life. And for him to pass so suddenly and so quickly, it was very shocking. And to see the, I mean, there's just no other word for it, devastation that it caused for people that loved him and cared for him, people that I loved and cared for were hurting because he was gone. And uh, it's, it's present with me today. What I want to do on this show is set up the conversation with a small clip, a small clip from Chris, and uh, I want to take that as the frame and use it for the framing of the conversation that I want to have uh, on my side. But Chris will have, aside from that small clip to set up the show, he'll have three longer clips where we'll get to sit back and listen, and learn. But given my uh, state, and given the, the the state of my life, and how it's crisscrossing with this moment that we're having on the podcast, I'm going to do some sharing of my own today. But first, let's set up the frame for us, shall we? One of the most important things I'm recentering my life on now that I'm here is uh, instead of like looking for big things I would like to achieve, or like some kind of stupid book idea or some kind of big scope of ideas like they do on a podcast or even like big epic things I'd like to do on Barbell Shrugged. You got to be careful with that because all that stuff leads you on a, on a path of like a bad path of ambition where you're trying to prove things for the wrong reasons. Uh, so I'd say one of the biggest things I'm focused on in my life right now is uh, daily practice of reading and writing. And that sounds simple. And I'm going to get a little bit more into that in a minute, but Daily effort to create small things um, sets you up for powerful new change and discoveries in your life. And when it comes to things like um, a simple podcast like this one or a simple blog, which I'm relaunching, the simple gesture of trying every day to share at least a little tiny chunk that seems relevant is a powerful thing. So that's, that's what I'm getting back to. So I hope you enjoy it. <clears throat> There's a couple of things in there that I want to, specifically target and talk about and that is getting caught doing things big trying to do big things to receive some sort of uh, admiration accolade acceptance that has been so present in my life lately and I imagine it's for the same reason that it was present for Chris which was the being in the wake of our father's dying. I can't speak for Chris. I'm only going to speak for myself. I just imagine that he can relate to what I'm about to say. It might have been a spur for him as well. It's funny how we have dreams and aspirations that hide in plain sight. For me, those dreams were in taking shape as imaginations of being a broadcaster on the radio or being an in-game announcer for the Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies, or any name any professional sports franchise of your choosing. I used to love, I would get excited when I heard those broadcasters' voices, and there was a part of me that would always 
be making fun of it or or using it or saying things like a broadcaster for fun. But never once did I consider that it was something that I could do professionally. Not even once. My father was a jock. And he studied business. And I loved my dad. He loved playing baseball. And so like Chris with football, I played baseball. I loved it. As a kid, it's all that I wanted to do. It's all that I thought about. But I got cut from my high school baseball team on a team that felt like it was going to be a shoe-in, and it really rocked my world. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh, who, who am I? <clears throat> and I ended up continuing to practice, and through my effort, I was able to land a college uh, to play for my college. Hold on one second. Sorry. <clears throat> Woo. Sorry about that. Live podcasting, everybody. And I worked so hard to play in college because I felt like that's what I needed to do. So when I arrived at the campus of Christian Brothers University on a ba- uh, on a, on an academic scholarship, playing baseball, walking on, was mostly something that I did because I loved it. Until I didn't love it so much anymore. And I wasn't really sure how to tell my, my father about it. And uh, ultimately, I just left the team and um, decided to, you know what, it's time to put that part of my life down and, and pursue something else. The future holds something else for Brooks Meadows besides baseball. And I, and I was okay with that. But I pursued business because, in a way, that's what I was taught to value. Again, never once considering that I could do anything creative. I never identified as an artist, anything like that. I was studying economics, and I was going to do the business thing. However, there was a part of me that was just countercultural enough or just against the authority figure enough where even if I was going to pursue business and building, scaling, and selling a business of some kind or even you know, climbing a ladder, if we want to use those terms, Part of me was, even though I was against the grain to some degree, part of me was still desiring to receive acceptance from the square community, so to speak. That was, in a way, a representation of my father. He was in a corporate world for almost 40 years of his life. He worked tirelessly. Like Chris in middle school, my father had had developed a rare form of throat and mouth cancer and it totally altered the trajectory of his life and so uh, Chris actually mentions that likely in this in one of the clips I have but he definitely talks about it in this episode so again it was super personal this this episode and, and what it was bringing up for me because in the wake of his passing I realized that even though I thought I was doing things for my own personal desires and what I really wanted it turns out I was only pursuing things that my mind would allow me to pursue given what I was taught was acceptable to pursue. So sure, I was getting into CrossFit and health and wellness, but I was still thinking about climbing the ladder of the industry as an entrepreneur and working tirelessly, nonstop, sacrificing my health in a sense just to get the outcome that I wanted, just like my dad. And when he passed, it really woke me up to this, that there were other areas of my life where I had 
done things, taken on big, huge projects in order to receive acceptance, in order to receive approval, or maybe even some notoriety. And I have to admit, this show was one of them. Chris completely changed my life, and that's why I wanted to start the show. That was the spark. But every now and again, there would be those intrusive thoughts, those moments where it was like, ooh, I hope I hope that the people that like Chris will like me as well. Maybe they'll accept me. Maybe they'll pay attention to me like they paid attention to him. I'm just being honest. This is the truth. These are the types of things that came up when I set out to do the show. And that's why I put it down for so long. In, you know, I've certainly been infrequent on some of my posting. And you know, I, I beg your forgiveness. But there was a long period in, the, in last year, 2022, where I caught myself wanting to receive attention and support for this, for this podcast. And I knew right then and there that I needed to take a break. It was too much pressure to put on anything like this. This was only ever meant to be a, a thank you to someone who helped me tremendously. And now that I've heard this episode and I've gone through the points that he's made, uh, and we will get to them, I just wanted to be transparent about where I am in my life, which is, you know, uh, I'm now back to making things that I love. I made a commitment to myself this year in reevaluating my life post my father's passing that I'm done making things in an effort to be accepted or received by anyone. I'm going to give what I have to give all out unapologetically. Now I understand why Chris tattooed his fucking hands. It was a statement. It was the declarative like, I'm never going back to that. I'm never going back to wanting to receive approval and tamping my own personality down in order to be accepted. So if I'm not going back to that, what am I going towards? I'm going towards and if definitely this whole year been working nonstop for fun on my new show, Serious Fun. And the podcast, uh, and we're going to talk about the community that's being built around the podcast, is totally me and totally my voice and totally the things that I have to share. And it's so in alignment with who I am that I started working on it daily. Small bits, 15 to 30 minutes, an hour at a time, two hours at a time, sometimes four or five hours in a row if I'm feeling jazzed up about it. And right on time, Chris is here to deliver me personally, and I hope you as well, three exact lessons. One of them is about morning rituals and doing the important thing first. We're going to have another clip about building faith in yourself. And then I'm going to let Chris close with a uh, crazy football story to put some levity back in this conversation. But we're still going to hang in there, and there may be more emotions to be felt. There may be more coming clean to do. But I just wanted to say uh, I am here to back, uh, to be back honoring Chris and saying thank you because these lessons are right on time for me. I'm going to be putting them into practice, and I truly hope that you will as well. Let's get Chris up for his first clip this is uh he took fan he had, it had taken him a while he had been off the off the skid for a little bit off the skid is that even a i know that's a word that can't that's a phrase it can't even apply here he's been away from the podcast again for about three months he put a couple in a row got busy 
Now he's back on his game, and he decided that the best way to do that was to ask his audience, hey, what do you want to hear me talk about? And he picked three things, and they're great lessons. So let's sit back, and we got Chris on for about 10 minutes, maybe nine and a half minutes, and we'll talk about this on the other side. That said, for a first podcast, I wasn't quite sure what I would talk about. So one thing I did, a little bit of a hack, um, is that I put up an Instagram post a few days ago. Hey, uh, I put up the logo of the podcast and say, hey, I'm doing one of these things. I've heard enough. I've been pestered enough. Okay, I'll get back in it. You want it? You got it. What would you like to hear about? You know, just some ideas to sort of prime the pump. <clears throat> and first of all, there's a lot of good questions. I want to thank everybody who who tagged me with a question, both on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you for your questions. I won't read them all out because it's a lot of names. I'm not really good with names to begin with, but you know who you are <laughs> if you left a question, right? Uh, but I will say this, uh, and I'll get to all of my guests, either on Barbell Shrugged or on this podcast eventually. Some good training questions. But I want to talk about training stuff because, man, <laughs> I talk about training stuff all the time. The, the life questions, though, on the – the comments really got me thinking. They resonated. Specifically, there was three questions that resonated a lot because they seemed to have aligned with things that I had experienced and really put a lot of thought, a great deal of thought into over like the previous week. So that was kind of trippy. I was like, man, I guess I should talk about these things. You know, if the universe is like, give me hints and stuff, man. I'm in California now. I got to be a little bit more hippie. So I took note. I wrote down these three things. And <clears throat> I guess you could say there's a, it's a useful thing to start with a story or a, a rant, whatever it is I do. The second thing was maybe really honest and hopefully motivating, and I want to do the best job I can of telling a, a thorough story of it. Uh, and then the third thing was maybe just a little bit of a funny thing. Also useful, but a funny story. <clears throat> so I wanted to start with um, a question about morning ritual. Somebody asked me, and I'll kind of mix these questions. I was asked about life balance and what the hell you guys do and barbell shrugged outside the show and like what do you what are your rituals and what do you do to keep productive and all that you know people are always interested in, in what's going on with people they know about <clears throat> and their rituals and whatnot like i said it's been uh this is a topic i put a lot of effort into because it's like been a sole area of focus of mine i'll share i'll share my morning ritual and get into the point i'd like to make about it why i think the things i'm doing in it are so important but first things first i get up every morning this is counter to my, nat my natural nature. I used to be a night owl, but now I try to get up every day as close to, uh, no later than 6 a.m., I'd say, and I'm trying to get close to 5 a.m. So I woke up today at 6. 5 is the target, but let's say on average maybe it's like 5.30 a.m. I get up, I immediately jump into the shower because, fuck, man, <laughs> the, mornings, the mornings couldn't be any more harsh. You wake up, you're like, shit, the sun is not even up yet. I look over. Uh, usually my, my boy, he's about four years old now. He's in a bed with me and he's, he's rolled up right next to my body. We have a king size Japanese style futon. We sleep on now and he's one inch away from me at all times during the night. My wife's got 90% of the mattress to herself. But anyway, <laughs> side note, I jump out of bed. I let the boy have my space. I go in the shower, cut it on hot and quick to kind of stir my consciousness. I do some breathing in the shower. Just, um, I talked about it before. It's just, Simple box breathing exercises, not even too structured. You just breathe in deeply into your belly. Uh, you hold it for the same amount of time it took you to breathe in. You exhale slow and controlled. And you just kind of keep that up in a pattern. I do that mostly, mostly just to kind of center myself and think about what it is I'd like to achieve. <clears throat> and then funny enough, I get out of the shower. I brew a cup of coffee. And then I hit work immediately. And I'll, I'll say a, an important point around this. 
Uh, one thing I've picked up on the last couple of years of doing Barbell Shrugged and meeting a bunch of really awesome people, I'm trying to pay attention to the things that they do that really seems to matter, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. For instance, if you see people who are really fit and get a good result, they're training. Oftentimes, they're the people who get up first thing in the morning and hit that because their training is the most important thing they could do. They realize that even though family is important and even though <clears throat> work is important and all that, they recognize immediately that if they let a sacrifice of self happen, if they put <coughs> their own physical well-being on the back burner to make room for other things, then everything kind of falls apart. The most important thing should be the thing you wake up and hit immediately. You know, if you run into guys like Joe DeSena and all these top athletes, uh, people who are doing big things in business or training, they get up and they hit it. So I've taken note of that. Uh, but here's the thing. Like, when I get up and train first thing, I realize that maybe that's not necessarily the most important thing to me in terms of the effect I want to reach. For me, I realize that I wake up and the first thing I think about, the most important thing is like the message I'd want to get out. <clears throat> uh, so the message I would usually want to get out is in the form of the writing or editing. So I wake up and the first thing I do is I hit the, the writing or editing job I have today. Basically, the most productive thing I could do to get an idea out, I hit that. I go out in the front yard with a cup of coffee. Um, I sit down on my little patio. I boot up the computer. I don't leave until I've got the article I want to have done for Barbell Shrugged or whatever, or the, the the writing for the show or what have you. I just don't stop till that's done. Now, usually by 8 o'clock or 7.30, I've got that under control. <clears throat> the second most important thing I say about my morning ritual is I go right into what I think is the most important thing anybody can do, man, uh, and that's read way more often. The cool thing about reading and writing, and the reason why I start my day with it, is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be some sort of huge academic pursuit. When you're reading a book, you don't have to worry about trying to be the most important, <laughs> trying to find out the most important secrets of your life in the universe. You're not trying to put all this weight on it. You're picking up a book that resonates with you. That's something, it's about something you want to learn about. Uh, but more importantly, you're spending time in quiet hours, in this case, first thing in the morning, reading and picking up on somebody else's thought patterns, presumably somebody you want to learn from. You're kind of mimicking their consciousness when you read their words. You're, you're, quieting the thoughts you might have you're quieting the worries you have for later in the day uh when you take notes and when you elaborate and write the way you feel about what you read you just kind of scrabble some things down when you take a pen and put it to paper you're now kind of working to reorganize the way you think and again you're not thinking about much more than just the idea you want to convey and what you have with a daily practice like that even if it was just 15 minutes um one, you'll, you'll realize that even if it's awkward as shit at first, which reading and writing can be for a lot of people, certainly for me, I didn't really get into a lot of reading and writing until college because I didn't have the confidence for it. I didn't feel like I was smart enough for it for some reason. I'd see a big book and go, well, I'm, I don't really read that well, so that's not for me. All assumptions and, and untruths and things that you say to yourself that just kind of do more bad than good. But in time, you get your head around and you realize that, no, you are you can be anything you want. In this case, you can read a bunch of books. You can be a writer. You can get your words down and express them the way you'd want. It just takes a little practice. So that the first point about why I'm getting back to the blog and the show and why I'm sharing with you my morning ritual. Um, in this case, I, I read and write for a minimum of two hours every morning. I feel like that's the most important thing that I could possibly do because it does set a rhythm and it, and it, and it leverages a key idea. One I've got, I took note from Charlie Munger, 
I'll make a quick book recommendation. Charlie Munger's Almanac. Poor Charlie's Almanac. One of the better books you can get <clears throat> on business and life and everything. You'll Some big ideas resonate in that book beautifully. But one big one that I picked up on was the idea of compound interest. And you might know the idea of compound interest if you have a 401k. You know, you understand that saving a little bit of money today can can result in big payouts later on in your life. And that's exactly actually the force, the fundamental force of the world that's at work when you make the decision to get up earlier than you have to, when you step to your laptop or to your pen and pad uh, to make notes, to organize your thoughts, to set an intent for the day. That's a big declaration to the world that you're making the effort required, in this case, getting the fuck out of bed and going to where the ideas happen at your desk. You're making the effort required. You're setting a gesture to the universe, if you will, if we're going to be California hippie, that you're, you want what you say it is you want and you're willing to fucking do the work for it. And when you do that, when you spend five minutes a morning and that grows to 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, maybe even two hours of organizing your thoughts and reading and putting in the effort, you're putting compound interest to work in your fucking life. If you learned one small thing in the morning, today, tomorrow, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you just kept that up. For five minutes, you wrote down one small idea, like, I want to be better at this, and here's how I'm going to do it. If it was just that, it takes five minutes of your time, but creates a different attitude for the rest of your day, adds one little small blip of new information to your day, helps you be a little better that day, well, that's just like putting five bucks in a bank account and letting it grow over time. If you just do that, in the course of, uh, man, it could be just a couple of weeks. It could be a year, certainly in a year, and fucking certainly in 10 years. You will have really racked up and changed a lot of experience. You will have changed your life in profoundly unexpected ways. You'll be profoundly wiser, more effective. You, you might have created a bunch of books of your own. You might have designed a business. You might have just gotten your head around a, a lot of emotion that maybe you've struggled with. But if there's anything I could recommend uh, more than anything, uh, it's having that morning ritual, and that's mine. Again, I get up as early as I can. I go right to the ideas. I go right to writing down and organize my thoughts, and I think that's, that's paying off big time. <laughs> I'll also say you don't have to have perfect solitude in the morning to have a morning ritual. I have a little uh, – my daughter, May – if you've read Get Change, you'll know a lot about May. Uh, she's now uh, about a year and a half old. Long pigtail. She looks like Boo from uh, Monsters, Inc. <laughs> so she gets up and stirs about 6.45 or 7 a.m. or something. And I can hear, I'll be in the middle of writing or reading, and I'll hear kind of wake up and start fussing and calling for me. I'll get her up, and she'll run around in my office here where we shoot barbell shrug shows and be a wild little girl and be noisy and all that. And still, it's still great to be up to be with her in the morning and still doing that morning ritual. So there is no excuse why you have the time, you have enough solitude for it, even if it's not perfect solitude. I can't recommend that enough. Put that power of compound interest to work in your day. Keep your day as 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 ritualized and as simple and as focused as possible, and that will yield a lot of big rewards, right? Okay. Number one, all about the morning routine and doing the important thing first. Why is that relevant in my life right now? Well, it's because I have a new important thing. It's the thing that I, again, uh, I just, I'm over the moon about because it's finally my opportunity to say what I want to say, how I want to say it. And I love, love, love talking into a microphone and, and I love deconstructing maybe some complicated topics, making them really simple and easy to understand 
I love having fun, and that's what the show was about, and a building community around it. So if I'm going to be successful this year, I just like I get to I get to make the most important thing first. The other most important thing, it's in alignment with the podcast, is my one man performance. It's called The King Says Yes. It's a storytelling performance where I tell you a story about a backpacking trip that I took to Jamaica with my friend Sam and what I learned from it. And uh, I've had a lot of practice with the show, and I'm getting opportunities to get more practice because telling stories is what I love to do. It is the thing that I love to do. I love to use my voice to tell stories and to tell, teach lessons. It's why I was so attracted to coaching, I learned. It's why I was so attracted to podcasting, I learned. It's why I've been, lately, so attracted to voice acting and speaking. And I, uh, you know, I have, a, I, I have an opportunity to start auditioning for voice acting and for using my voice in all kinds of exploration, storytelling experiences. And if I'm uh, going to make my dreams come true, my actual dreams, the dreams that were hidden in plain sight but not talked about, not acknowledged, if I'm going to do that, I gotta, I gotta do it, man. And like Chris, I have, I have a real strong resistance to getting up early in the morning. Early morning, it just still is one of those things that, like, I say I'm going to do it, but it gets. You know, I, I get uh, have a nice little momentum and then I fall off the tracks. But this year, this is the year that I start to master that. And it's good to have Chris on this wave because it's the exact wave that I need to be on. And his are coming from, you know, hard-fought lessons with Barbell Shrugged and struggles of his own kind. And, uh, man, I'm just so, again, just so grateful that he chose to sit and, and do this on the microphone. It's given me so much confidence that if I keep going, as I keep going, that the, the types of things that I want to see in my life will start to show up. The curious part is that they're rarely how you expected. Chris, in this moment in his story, is he's already written books, but you can hear that he's transitioning an identity as well. If you go back and listen to the full replay of this episode, he mentions in the catching up portion, wanting to talk about something different. You know, by this time in 2015, he's been, the guys have been talking about training in every aspect. They've had almost every possible conversation you could have if you do one a week for four plus years about training. And Chris is ready to talk about something different. He may still lean on his strength background and his experience as a strength athlete and as a coach and a teacher and as a science writer, but you can feel that he's wanting to go into a new direction. And that is where our stories or our journeys are overlapping because I want to talk differently. I'm, I'm ready to do something different. If you follow me into my next adventure on the Serious Fun podcast, the reformatted Serious Fun podcast, you'll see pretty clearly that I've taken a I've used a, a format that's not as common or as mainstream as, say, an interview show. It's a clip show, uh, and I, I, that's all I'll say about it. I, use, I get to use clips to have a broader conversation and tell a larger story. And now that I have Chris as a model for uh, 
seeing the identity shift happen, not just the effort and the uh, labor and the skills that had to be acquired for him to do it technically, to become a writer that has something different to say, but I can hear that he is allowing himself to transition and let go of old needs, old beliefs, and old identities. All of this is happening behind the scene. And in my own personal way, I'm, I'm starting to understand that. I'm starting to understand the letting go of who I thought I had to be in order to receive acceptance, approval, love, adoration, you name it. All that shit that they maybe want to pour on top of you that you have to do life this way and and for Chris to just roundly reject that has given me permission and courage to do the same thing and and I think he did that for a lot of people so when he says like get your ass up and start doing the most important thing first like I'm gonna listen I'm gonna do more of what I love to do too which is also coach I stopped coaching to build businesses and help other people do more of their coaching thinking that ascending that ladder by being the person that manages other people or helps them build their business will somehow make me a higher status or more acceptance than someone who, you know, uh, only coaches people. And I'll use quote, air quotes there, only coaches people. I love coaching people. And that's why I tell stories is to hopefully imbue some sort of experience, share my own personal perspective and and give you an opportunity to explore it for yourself. Chris did that for me, and I'm, I'm just paying it back, man. I'm exploring his life. I'm exploring maybe what his perspective was. Even in, the, you know, even in uncertainty, I, I, it's okay to explore. It's okay to try on perspectives and have some of them not work out. It's okay to you know, go through these ups and downs in your story, and it's okay to start to lean in to doing something different. Remember, guys, Chris's last last episode, which we're coming very quickly upon, is called About My Dream Come True. So uh, this his episode was recorded in September of 2015. He passes in June of 2016. So, like, the full transition is beginning where he's going out to achieve his dreams. And uh, there's, to set up the second clip, there's a lesson on how to do that. So he's given us some practical tips. Get up, do the first thing first, most important thing, be willing to you know, signal to the universe that you're ready. But there's also another deeper, more important lesson. And so I'm going to pass it back to Chris. He'll be on for about 12 and a half minutes about building faith in yourself. And then we'll explore that one just a tad bit further. So the second idea or the second thing I want to talk about in this podcast is uh, another question I saw and that triggered. This was the big thing I wanted to get to because it's it is a question about self-doubt. And I wanted to be as honest as possible in how I answered this one. I knew it'd be the kind of the hardest thing to talk about because in all honesty, right up front, self-doubt is something that everybody has to really wrestle with. And I would say it's something that I have to it's one of my biggest wrestling points in a career like this where you're writing and you're sticking your ideas out on the internet every day or most days and you're getting in front of microphones and in front of cameras and you're trying to be as honest as possible uh it's really hard to be as honest as possible all the time and it's hard to keep from editing yourself and it's hard to keep from trying to be something and have full confidence in what you're trying to express 
um, I really get why a lot of people that that feeling of self doubt stops them from wanting to do what they want to do. And I wanted to share a story that maybe would help break that for you, just at least show you that um, that everybody deals with this, and people like me deal with it maybe more than average. And there's still ways to overcome it. I want to share a specific way to overcome it. But right, so I got to thinking about this originally because a few, well, last week, uh, the Barbell Shrug Crew was in uh, the Winston-Salem area in North Carolina. We went to Travis Mash's place. If you don't know who Travis Mash is, go check out the Barbell Life podcast. We were just on it. You go to MashElitePerformance.com. Travis is one of the strongest guys <clears throat> that I can name. He's 42 and still deadlifting 700 pounds. Also a beautiful guy, kind guy, one of the best caring, loving coaches you're going to run across. If you want to get exceedingly strong he's one of these guys you got to learn from and go visit uh so we were hanging out at his house his farm he had a big piloting event there and a weightlifting event the smash strength spectacular which you're going to see on barbell shrugged episode maybe 194 195 i forget what number it is but go check it out so travis was there also aj roberts was hanging out with us uh champion power up the guy squatted over 1200 pounds and also is a great coach in his own right what we're talking about is how tough it can be when you're, when you're sharing these ideas, you're, you're trying to coach and help people. You're trying to make an impact, right? And when you put your ideas out there, sometimes you get great results and great feedback. Somebody implements what you had to say, and they go, wow, that worked. Or you helped me. Thanks, man. Shit. Fuck. Like, now I can go off and do what I want to do. And that's, there's nothing more addicting and pleasing than that, to know that something you had to say resonated and helped somebody, right? That's the whole mission. But the opposite is true. That's the other side of a vicious cycle that we've all experienced, where you're going to help, you're going to share, you're going to try to do something, and the result, for whatever reason, maybe the advice wasn't implemented, maybe it wasn't the right time for that advice, maybe you just didn't say it as well as you could, or whatever. But for whatever reason, you don't get that outcome. Somebody says, man, you know, like, <laughs> you, the, I, I, I could have had the result I wanted if maybe the advice was better or something, or whatever. Those kind of critiques, or even even the suggestion of maybe you weren't as good as you could be, can really send you on a powerful opposite trip where you go fuck am I really got what it takes to be a writer to be a coach to be a business owner is this really me and I think everybody feels that and I want to say a little bit more about what I have felt specifically around that because the last before I got to California and and as Barbell Shrug picked up steam from like you know we started recording in 2010 and the show we started kind of putting in its final form 2011-12 just picking up it's been like been about four years now. We're going, we're going into 2016. That's about right. So, of course, like let's say four years. We have, of course, the four guys on the show and the people we work with and our families. We've changed a lot, man. Like I, I go back and watch episode one, and I don't really recognize myself in that podcast because go, man, I, there's so much that has changed since then, and so much that has ha, that has had to been fought for to preserve the show and so many changes in life. I just think about what I've had to face, see, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, when was that? About the toughest part for me, and I've, I've written about this, and this will be a little bit hard to get through, so bear with me, but um, the biggest moment in my life, the biggest moment of self-doubt came when my, my father passed away Thanksgiving Day 2013. That wasn't the easiest thing. The circumstances were bad because he had been dealing with a, a condition he had contracted when I was in middle school from a blood transfusion an immune issue that had really destroyed his life and had destroyed our family in many ways. It was tough to deal with. And it finally reached its peak Thanksgiving Day, 2013. He, he passed away. 
And of course, anybody who's who's lost a parent, I can really only say, man, I, I feel for you. It, it's it's something you can't really put words around. It's a it's a cratering experience, but it is something that you can that you do survive and you move past. And you the people you lose you lose, you only have more of a sense of appreciation and love for them. They become more of a hero to you because you realize just what it takes to, in this case, get a family grown and to see your kids prosper. So that that left a whole new appreciation especially being a young parent when, when that happened. Uh, but that wasn't the only thing that happened. Of course, that happens. We still got to figure out a way to do a podcast and all, and you, you just make it work. But then right around Christmas of that same year is when it became obvious to me that if I was going to make something happen with, with Barbell Shrugged and really contribute all I could to it, if I was going to be able to use it to move myself out of the town and on to some other big dream, if anything was going to happen, I had to commit 100%. I remember reading Bruce Campbell. Was it Bruce Campbell, the hero's journey guy? I remember him declaring that that if you wanted to achieve something and do something extraordinary, the only way you were going to do that is to make a powerful gesture to show the universe, the world, everybody who knew that you were committed, that you would do this. And I was weighing heavily on me because I knew that in this case, if I was going to make the show happen, I had to commit. And that meant walking away from a job, an eight-year corporate career that invested heavily in, you know how it is. You, you work a job for years and years and years and years. And the thing that keeps you from leaving it is a little bit of fear, not only about can you do the new thing, but you got to give up everything you've worked for. You got to say goodbye to people. You got to step away from a cozy proven thing and do something that's scary. So that's tough. So I was dealing with that loss and also dealing with the reality that if I'm going to do this, I got to do it. If I'm going to, if I'm going to make the voyage, I got to burn the boat I'm on and get on a new one. <laughs> I got to do that. <clears throat> So that was resonating with me all through Christmas and January and February of 2014. And I finally worked up the nerve to, to make that decision in spite of the resistance I was feeling. Uh, and I made that commitment April Fool's Day, perfect choice, right, of 2014 to, to walk into the HR department at my old job and say, you know, I use language better than this, but I say, you know, fuck this shit. We're going to go do something that really seems to matter. Despite the fear, despite the best advice to people who love me. I, I believed in what we needed to achieve, so I made that commitment. Scary as fuck, though, man. I can tell you that after I quit that job, and this is the honest part, I had moments of self-doubt so intense that, like, the, the anxiety from that and the fear of, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I making the right commitment? Is this just an emotional decision? Am I running away from something? You know, I had to deal with that 24 hours a day. Uh, and the added difficulty was that same month. Um, April 2014 on the 22nd, my daughter was due. May was due. So I had a little boy, Max. I had my wife who, who was working hard and, and doing her best to also support the family. And I was staring at the reality of we're, we're going to add a second kid to the mix. She's going to be born this month. I've got one more month of health insurance. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to ride this out. So, you know, there's the death, there's the quitting of a job, and then there's the birth of a new baby. But then there's the the eventual prospect that popped up just last year of you're also going to now rip your family up out of their home and you're going to move across the country to, to a new state all the way to the end of Western civilization in California, USA. So on a high level, I'd say that I got really good <laughs> this last year of like taking on the self-doubt stuff. And even on a smaller level, I'll talk to you about writing and, and, and reading and sharing ideas for the years before that, from 2005 to 2000 and, uh 12, 13, 14, even maybe today, I, there was a daily practice of getting up and trying to write a little thing and share it. 
you know, on the old CrossFit Memphis blog, then on our Faction SC blog, and then on a blog of my own, then launching like barbellshrug.com and keep trying to share and share and share and keep, keep up a rhythm. <clears throat> you know, the, again, the daily practice of doing. Um, so let me say, um, no one has had to fight self-doubt more than me, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I want to say, I'm like, I, every time I do anything, I feel like, is this going to be good enough for people to appreciate it? So if you're feeling that, I want to first say that you're completely justified. That's completely normal. And I also want to maybe help provide a remedy that I've found that is always useful. What is your remedy? How can you, how can you get past ideas of self-limitation and self-doubt? Well, I think if there's a simple thing you can do. The most important thing you can do and I'm lifting this idea from Leo Tolstoy, who was, oh, was a pretty smart guy and actually was a mentor to Gandhi, of all people. So he figured he had an epic beard and also gave pretty good advice. And he has a good line, he says, about justice, doing what is right. And he says, as a person, as an individual, um, you're never going to be completely just. Sometimes you will do too much. You'll try too hard. Sometimes you won't try hard enough. You won't get enough done. And that's just the way it is because you're a primate man and <laughs> or lady. And you can't be perfect all the time, and you shouldn't be. But one thing you can always do to ensure justice and to ensure you're doing good, capital G good, is to always try to come back to something you love daily and to try to make it better, just a little bit better, a little bit more helpful, a little bit less heavy with mistakes, a little bit better focused, you know, any small improvement. Coupled with the daily effort of just trying again is really the only remedy to the self-doubt thing because you're going to feel that. You're going to want to be and do something and something's going to whisper in your ear that maybe it's not possible. The only way you're going to remedy that is to keep doing it and to, to stoke and to cultivate within yourself uh, faith, for lack of a better word. That if you keep it up, that if you will be rock solid within yourself and know that you have something worth sharing and providing and, and talking about and doing, if you keep stoking your little fire uh that will remedy the, the issues of self-doubt it will help that better than anything else and even though you'll keep dealing with it at least at the very least you'll be able to easily look back from where you are because like right in the present moment it's hard to to always believe in the vision and the dream and have all the faith but if you will also just take the time to show a little gratitude for how far you've come and to realize that you know in a, in a space of a couple of years you can have a lot of hurts and a lot of wounding things because that's going to happen to everybody but also in that same point, you can see all up, all the little moments where you, you you were able to produce and make something, and persevere and and move on through those moments and in two years to see where you how far you can come with a, a simple practice like that is really is really all the kind of proof you need that you're on the right track. So the first thing is daily ritual. Second thing is remedying self doubt by stoking faith within yourself and keeping up the effort if you want to be a good coach just keep coaching man you want to be a good writer find a way to write even one sentence today even one sentence written as good as you could will make that happen and if you want to take on a business task and it's just anything you might want to take on keep up the daily faith and the daily effort and that's that's how you will make that a real thing i do believe that faith is only faith when the outcome is uncertain. I'll say that again. Faith, by definition, by construction, can only be faith when the outcome is uncertain. 
So if you're seeking certainty and making a big move, there's going to be little room for faith. It has taken Chris a tremendous amount of faith in himself and in his colleagues, his friends, to be able to pull this off, to be able to grow Barbell Shrugged to the level that it got and continues to be to this day. It's taken me a tremendous amount of faith. Different circumstances. I couldn't imagine having the, the, the child on the way during a transition like that. But I've had many pains, many, many pains <laughs> the last, say, three years. Uh, closing recess, moving back in with your parents, with my parents, with, with, with my wife. You know, having a dog have an accident and he, now he can't walk and we care for him. I mean, uh, uh, creating things and having them not work and announcing another thing you're creating and having that not work, getting a job uh, that you think is your dream job and, I, you know, getting fired 90 days later without notice in another city with a group of friends that, while they're great friends, it's, it's a lot to ask to receive support at that level from your friends. Leaning back on what you know and creating a business from scratch again with a business partner, seeing that have its own trials and tribulations, creating new things, doing it again, having that fall apart. This is all part of it. And it hurts. This past year, 2022 was my most painful year to date, yet it was my best year ever. I personally have come so far just from sitting down in a microphone to talk to you <laughs> and, and just to say thank you to Chris. Just these small actions, even though they weren't perfect. I can look back over the last four years of my life and say, wow, I've done this. And I know I'm going to finish. I, I know that I will finish this and do much, much more. And yeah, it's just, that's, that is how you build faith in yourself, is to continue to take action when the outcome is uncertain. For Chris, it was leaving a job. For me, it may be getting a job. Going back and asking to, yeah, getting getting a different job. Why? Because it doesn't have my my profession doesn't have to be my purpose or my passion. I can fuel my passion for stories, for voice acting, for stand up, uh, storytelling, comedic performances. Perhaps I'll go into more. Uh, into, I guess you would call it like formal stand up comedy. Who knows what could happen? I could end up being an actor. I could end up being a voiceover person that you hear in commercials. I have no idea. The outcome is so uncertain. But now I found my thing to to do every day, and I do it. Every, I do it every day, and that's how I knew it was my it was the thing because every day I woke up, I was like, "Wow, I can't wait to do that today." And if this is the product, the byproduct of all of those years of pain and suffering and uncertainty, it's been worth it. I'm going to have future iterations of this, their own versions with different circumstances, deep as deep of pains, and I get to reflect on this time and remember, hey, remember when you went through all that and it was still worth it? Maybe that's going to be worth it again at the end of these pains and struggles. It's that continued belief is what I've been doing to build faith in myself, and thank God I had Chris as a model. Thank God I had Chris as a model. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for building something awesome in Barbell Shrugged and educating me. Thank you for being my teacher, and thank you for being my mentor through, through this podcast. Chris has taught me more 
He has taught me more than almost anyone I have ever known, and I didn't even know him. It is incredible the type of impact you can have on someone's life, even when you don't know it. Chris's story is that. It is the, it's the impact that he knew, but it's also the continued impact that he'll never know. But his friends, his family, and you know. We know. So, uh, yeah, I'm thankful. I told you to get a little emotional. I told you. But it's the honest truth. That's what I did. I went for it. I knew Chris was going to talk. It's not easy to share some of this stuff. I was a little nervous earlier, a section or two ago. But here we are. Let's close the show, shall we? I'm going to let Chris do that in his own, in, in the only way that Chris can, telling a story. And he's going to tell what he considers to be a crazy football story. It's humorous. And, of course, there's a lesson built in. So if you want, stay through the end of the episode, listen to that story all the way to the end, and that will conclude episode 92, Back to the Garden. One more thing about the garden is that I told you, I just said earlier, like I'm building a community around the podcast. Now, if you remember the garden, and he might, Chris may have an explanation of that at the end of the show, but the garden was a project that Chris was working on, a subscription idea where people could come together, share ideas, receive coaching, and for many reasons, timing, tech, it didn't work out. In my own way, I don't know if I'm going to call it the garden, but this is it, and I've mentioned even that I was going to attempt to do it on the show, but I was trying to build it around something like this show instead of it building the thing that it needed to be, which is its own thing. I'm creating a value-for-value value community, which simply means I'm not going to ask or try to sell you a thing. I'm simply going to ask if you're receiving value from what I'm doing. You can send it back to me in one of three ways. Your time, your talent, or your treasure. Of course, in this economy, in the world that we live in, your treasure is preferred. But if you have a time or a talent that you'd like to share with me for serious fun, I will receive that as value. Dave, my business partner, and I, we started Chop Club for Men, which has been a mentorship group that's very similar to the garden. We meet uh, twice a month on, on a live connection. One's a master class. One is an accountability call, and we have a text circle via, via Telegram where you can receive live coaching. You can get immediate feedback and talk to other people that are into the same stuff or into different stuff. We've created our own little garden, and what I intend to do once the podcast launches is I'm going to make that into a value-for-value value exchange. I'm going to allow people to come into the community and circle without having to spend any of their dollars and... We will make a request that if you're receiving that value, please, to be a part of the community, give it back to us. And so I'll keep you in the loop about how you may join and be a part of the serious fun version of The Garden. And uh, I, think Chris would, I, think, I think Chris would have really dug it. Now we'll get to the crazy football story. And I'll see you for the next episode, number 93. Talk to you next time. Uh, somebody asked me uh, on the IG feed uh, about football and maybe specifically some crazy football stories. Chris, could you share one? 
because people know by now that I played a little football, a little college football, and yes, I do have some stories. And the only reason that really resonated with me for two reasons. Like I said, uh, the ritual thing resonated with me. The question of self-doubt resonated because I fight with it all the time. And then the football thing resonated because it's football season, man. Uh, I've been watching Hard Knocks on HBO, which is actually a really good reality show. Uh, if you haven't seen that and you're curious about how crazy football is, check it out. It's worth uh, the 14 bucks it costs to get HBO now on your Apple TV for sure. But it's football season. And I've been thinking about football because, well, last week my Tigers, the University of Memphis, actually came out and stomped the shit out of somebody for week one. They beat Missouri State 63-7, to so it could be a very good year. I'm very happy for them. Not being in Memphis, I'm more inclined to cheer and root for the home team. You know how it goes. Uh, I said this resonates for another reason because I just told this story actually to Lewis Howes of all people. We were up in L.A. this past week shooting an episode of Barbell Shrugged with Lewis Howes from the School of Greatness. You might have heard of him. If not, his podcast is really cool. If you like Tim Ferriss, you'll like Lewis. Lewis is like a young, very athletic, big, tall, handsome guy with great advice, uh, very good on the microphone. You'll like him. Go check him out. But I was telling Lewis a story of uh, – well, I guess Mike or CTP asked me to tell it first because it's probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sharing what I think will help you ritual-wise and self-doubt-wise. But I also want to just kind of show one of these really embarrassing experiences. I don't think anybody's been embarrassed like this. Maybe you've had embarrassing moments, but this was a pretty, this is a pretty good story. So uh, as the story goes, okay, football story, here we go. <laughs> um, my sophomore year, I was a long snapper. I'd gotten pretty comfortable in that role. I, I, I wasn't going to play much as a center. So if you guys know American football, the, the center is the, the fat guy on the offensive line who snaps the ball to the quarterback. He gets things going. I was a little small and undersized for center. I, the best I did at the college level, I was a second-string center for a while, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> I could hold my own, but I wasn't going to be good enough to be to lead an offensive line. I just didn't quite have the chops, but I could long snap really well. So if you also watch football, you know the long snapper is the guy who throws the football back to the punter before he punts it. You basically look between your legs, and from 20 yards away, you throw a football and you hit a guy in the chest as you kind of simultaneously work back uh, to block people. And for field goal attempts, the long snapper will, will throw it back to the guy who catches it and puts it down, and the guy will kick it. So you know that guy now. So I was a long snapper. And the problem, though, my sophomore year is that I'd, I'd lost that job, actually, because a kid came into town from the mountains of Tennessee. Uh, his name was like um, Jared. Very skinny. He's like six foot two, rail thin, kind of one of these just crazy guys who never put too much thought into what he was doing or the consequences of it, which made him great at sports. He just acted in a complete flow state all the time and didn't really think about the consequences. And he could throw a fucking football like crazy, like 70 yards, 60 yards and with accuracy. He could throw as good as a quarterback's. Uh, and he also could snap just better than me. And now I can see it and laugh at it. By the time, it was kind of real pain in the ass. It's like, man, I've been like snapping 150 balls a day all summer long to make sure I was good enough for this job. And a guy came along uh, and just pretty much took it immediately because he gets to do it better. Uh, as a kid, you kind of don't like the realities of the world sometimes. Somebody does a job better than you, they should do it. You know, Even if you own a business, if somebody does something better than you, let them do it. Uh, you know, Embrace that. Let them shine. That's a big secret to success too. But I was – couldn't really see it that way at the time. I got a little fussy about it. I even got a little lazy about it. Like, well, fuck, this guy wants a job. He's got it. And I put my fussy britches on. So the first couple of games of the year, that was fine. He was doing a good job, and I was backing him up. It wasn't so bad because I got to still play a little bit. Um, 
you know, I did some special teams work. I got some offensive line work and then all that. So I, I wasn't completely just sort of distraught over it, but I was like, you know, I kind of checked out a little bit from time to time. That's my mistake. But this one game in particular, we went up to the university, not the university army, the army academy. They were, uh, they played in our league, University of Memphis versus Army Academy. So we, we flew up, my 19-year-old self and the team, we flew up to West Point Academy in New York uh, to play this game. And it was really cool because it's a beautiful place, beautiful venue. Um, the stadium is, is very sort of classic. It held like maybe 30,000 people. and The stadium was pretty full, if I do recall. Uh, but it was a rainy day for this game. <clears throat> we're playing, we're playing, pretty uneventful. We're doing all right. We held a a, a lead. <laughs> we had like a ten to three lead or something. So I wasn't like too uh, too caught up in the game. I was actually on the sideline talking to my buddy uh, about sausage and peppers that we were going to eat after the game because we were starving. And I had my like jacket on and my hoodie on. My my cold clammy hands were tucked into my pockets. I wasn't really paying attention until I heard just the screaming, just fucking screaming over and over again. I was like, more? Where the hell is more? God damn it, more! <laughs> and they got louder and louder and louder. And I realized people were calling for me. I was like, "What in the hell is going on?" So I kind of break the sausage and peppers conversation. I go over like, "What? What? 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 I'm here. What? You got to get out there and snap the ball." So at this moment, the terror sets in because I realize I'm not warmed up. I haven't done anything all for like the last hour to be focused. <laughs> I was kind of watching a little bit of football and fucking around, knowing that the odds of the long snapper getting hurt are kind of low. You know, they do get hurt from time to time, but you know. The second snapper only comes in, in the event of crazy emergency. Well, it turns out this was the emergency. The, the guy who was so good, this Jared guy, who, who was zany and, and never really had a bad snap. Well, fuck, man. He like blew out his knee <laughs> on like a punt, and I didn't even notice. I was, had my head up my ass, you know. And all of a sudden, I had to run out in the field for extra point attempts and, uh, and to do this accurately with no warm-up. I, let me just say in no small terms, I started freaking the fuck out for sure. Because <laughs> like you, this is not something you want to go into unprepared. So I, I grab my helmet. I throw off my, my raincoat. I just run out into the field. And everybody lines up. Business as usual. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm really sweating bullets. I reach down. I grab the football. It's slimy and cold in my hand. I don't really have a good grip on it. I go, ah, well, you know, you've done this a thousand times, Chris. Just do what you know to do. So I look back. <laughs> I see the, the, the guy hold up his hand, and he makes a motion for the ball. Everybody's set. And I take the ball, and I throw it fucking three feet over that guy's head, which almost never happens on a field goal attempt. And then I'm just sitting there. I did that, and I watch upside down between my legs as the whole field, 11 players or 10 players on my side and the whole other team, Army Academy, runs towards midfield to chase this ball that I had thrown over this guy's head. And as I get up and slowly turn around and look at this, the stampede of, of man flesh running away from me, I didn't, even, I didn't even have the wherewithal or the composure to run after them to try to, to make up for my snake. I just kind of turned towards the sideline, you know, tail tucked between my legs, completely like a whipped, shamed dog. It's kind of slanked off the field as I just could feel the eyes of 30,000 people for real just on me being like the dumb kid. <laughs> man, that was like such an incredible tough experience so i run off the field and i sit there and people go what the fuck was that dude like come on like what, what are you thinking and there's no other snapper no one else to finish the game but me the part i didn't tell lewis was that later on the same game i got into it enough to kind of get over that mistake and uh, get back onto the field for a punt and this punt we we're on our own five yard line we had done well enough in this game it was like 27 to 17 or something so there was no real risk of losing 
if we could keep our shit together enough to not make any last mistakes. So we're in the back of the end zone. And my coach comes up to me and goes, hey, Moore, okay, look, you had a bad play earlier. What we need you to do is just take this ball. Take this ball and just snap it over the punter's head. Talk about a mind fuck. He's like, just do it on purpose this time. And then he goes, no, wait, I'll tell you what. Just snap it to him. And then he's just going to run off the clock a little bit. The punter's going to run around in the end zone. He's going to drain some time off the clock. That'll be better. I want you to do that. I go, right, okay, go. So I run out there. Again, I grab the ball. I'm feeling a little bit more confident this time. Like, man, you don't, you're not going to fuck up twice in one game. That just won't happen. Anyway, down set hut. I take it. I snap it five feet over the fucking punter's head in front of everybody again. And then running off the field, I had my coach just stop and look at me. He goes, did you, did you do that shit on purpose? I go, no. Uh, well, I thought you said, I, I kind of, well, I thought maybe then. And he just looked at me kind of like, fuck, sit down more. <laughs> and the worst part of that. Yeah, to, to make a mistake in front of 30,000 people or so, to do it twice. And then the worst part is getting on the plane to go back to Memphis. Uh, the little, you know, the nice thing about playing college football is everybody gets to get on an airplane and fly together as a team. And that's pretty cool when you're just a kid and they, in your seat when you get on the plane, they have like little chocolate bars or ice cream bars. It's like, good job after the game, kid. Here's your treat. So I'm sitting on the airplane after that game, showered up. At least for Christ's sakes, we had won. So that was, that pain, that acute pain was, was not also added to the mix. We had won the game, uh, but still, I had to sit on the plane, and I heard some some talking behind me. It turns out Dave Wolotion, who was like the Tiger media guy, he did all like this the commentary on the radio. He would call the plays, and like my dad always listened to this guy. I always listened to this guy. Grew up listening to Tigers games. Anyway, this guy was on the airplane going, "Hey, uh, how about that Moore kid tonight?" And the guy who does the show was like, "Yeah, he he was out. Like, yeah, that guy fucking didn't know shit about snapping, huh? He's just kind of talking shit about me." And the whole time I'm thinking, man, I'm eating my sandwich. Like this, this ice cream sandwich is terrible. But also, man, I'm really fucking hoping my dad does not listen to this guy's color commentary and like hear him talking shit about his son. Uh, but anyway, that was one of the crazy experiences of my a college career to make a mistake in front of so many people and to be a kid making that mistake. Uh, and I, I bring that up too because the word I associate with that now is tempering. Uh, tempering being like a process of reshaping for the better but under like a lot of force and pressure, like the way you would temper steel or like a really work a tight muscle to loosen it, to be able to allow your arm to achieve a different position. There's a lot of pain and discomfort associated with tempering and nobody, especially when they're younger wants to make such a colossal fuck up, especially in front of other people. I'm just imagining how tough it is just to say something embarrassing when you're asking a chick out or something when you're a teenager, right? or to make a silly mistake at a job, or to do something that fucks up a grade in school and you think it's so heavy. But to really make a mistake in front of a lot of people is tough. But the thing I realized in the experience is, well, a tempering experience, a moment where you get really embarrassed uh, and you try to do something that doesn't work out, acutely it feels so heavy <laughs> and so potentially embarrassing. It feels like you won't ever get past it, right? But the truth is that acute fears and acute pains and acute discomforts are are in, a, in the best possible sense, only temporary. And I think about uh, some experiences I shared with you that acutely weren't fun. And and if you had some of similar experiences like that, you can certainly identify with that. It's always not fun to have that kind of experience. But what I want to maybe close this rambling up with is to, to refocus on what you can control in those moments. I mean, something goes right, something goes wrong. You're embarrassed or you feel great. All you really can come back to is your mission. And the things that you draw up as being very important that you reinforce with, in this case, like your morning rituals. 
that when you start each day fresh with, a, with, with yesterday's events in your rearview mirror, and you think about what you want to achieve today, and you think about the practices that make most sense to you and are most important to you, and the people who are most important to you, and ideas you'd hope to share, and all the things you'd hope to make, all you can come back to is that faith you stoke in yourself and the small daily gesture of getting up, achieving your daily practice, or at least going to it, going to read, going to write, having quiet time, taking your shower, taking a moment for yourself. I think when you do those things, you can, you can have uh, all the ammunition you'd ever need to push back against the self-doubts and the embarrassing moments and the things that didn't work out. And with enough faith and repetition, I think you start to see a pattern and you start getting a sense that things really are heading in the right direction. So I hope those stories are at least useful to you. I might be a little rusty, I might be a little rambly, but uh, I think that's probably the best advice I could possibly give today. So I'll stop there. That's enough for a first show back. Uh, one thing I did want to mention before we go, of course, you can go on to iTunes and look up the Barbell Buddha podcast and also Barbell Shrugged. If you like those podcasts, please leave us a little five-star review and a comment. Just I go through and read that stuff. It's great to see people who enjoy the show. So that's cool. Of course, you can also go to barbellshrug.com and check out what we're doing. And you're going to see a lot more stuff on barbellbuddha.com. I'm just going to try to make more room for sharing more stuff. We'll see how it goes. Also, before I say goodbye to you, just one quick bit of news. Um, you were a call a couple years ago, or maybe about a year and a half ago, I had an idea for a thing called The Garden. Uh, and that was going to be uh, in an Epicurean sense, Epicurus being a philosopher who had this little garden area he had where he'd invite students in he would share ideas they would share ideas and they would mix and collaborate and all get better because of it i wanted to do something like that online who people with, with people who wanted to train better and also share better ideas and mix them and learn and become whatever they wanted to become i just couldn't quite pull off at the time the technology of that like i said that was the same time i was alluding to around april of 2014 where I had lost a lot and a lot of stuff was changing and I was trying to also make a lot and that just wasn't the right time for it because when so much stuff in your life is up in the air, you can't quite rush everything you'd want to see into place all at once. That's a, that's a trap. you got to let some time pass. you got to quit slashing around in the water and let the mud settle if you want to see through it clearly. You know? So there's been enough time certainly now for me to get a better sense of what I wanted to do with that. And fortunately now I've also got an opportunity to work with amazing coaches in this case, Mike McGoldrick, who's a great coach for Barbell Shrugged. And I've also got the homie CTP, producer extraordinaire. I think together we are finally going to build something really epic. Um, an awesome membership service through barbellshrugged.com, which is, I think we're going to codename it, maybe call it The Garden, which will be a place where you can go daily, whenever you want, to log in, to have a conversation, to see new, fresh content, exclusive content, and to see things that'll help you um, not just get stronger and have the programming information you need to get the fitness goals you want to achieve. But as I'm alluding to in this podcast, these bigger ideas um, about why you train and really that allows you getting stronger, getting fit, getting educated, allows you to be strong and achieve your goals, but also achieve things much bigger than that. To become the coach you want to be, to affect the world in ways that you don't even really fully realize yet. I want to do something on that magnitude to really help inspire and provoke and I think this is going to be the first good go at it and we're going to build that and launch it in the next coming months and I think you're going to love it so that's all I'll say about that if you want to learn more about that or at least be in position to get the news when it comes out just again make sure you're signed up for the Barbell Shark newsletter and you'll get it uh, so with that folks 50 minutes is long enough I'll see you again next weekend for the Barbell Buddha podcast again leave a comment share this episode if you like it in the meantime I'll just say this uh, peace love namaste cheers Go train, go make something, 
Uh, let's talk again next time. Peace, folks.